The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Top 5 Movies. I'm Jonathan Burke, and with me this week is Michael Sanchez. Hello. And Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this is an exciting episode, uh, I think, for all of us, but definitely for me, as we are doing our top five movie bands. These are bands that exist only in fiction. That's not to say they don't have maybe roots in music or something like that, but these are officially bands that were made for a movie, and that's where they lived and sometimes died and sometimes, you know, other things. But it's something that I, I have a music background, as I think I've mentioned before. I know Corey's super into music, and I mean... Mike's into music too, of course, because it's how do you, how are you not into music, right? Music is almost as great as movies. It's just a little short, but when you mix them together, you get something awesome. Can't have one without the other, oh, but yes. you can. Well, you can, can have music without movies. True. Yeah, and you can have movies without music. I feel like that would be a little less enjoyable. It but. often you is. You just destroyed your saying. You said it and immediately. <laughs> oh, I ruined it myself. That's okay. You, That's what I do in, here. You, in essence, blocked yourself. Yes. <gasps> New John Cena movie. Um, Boom. So, how are you guys doing this week? Good. I'm counting down again. I feel like this is a, a theme in the in the fall, because what do we got? Three and... Well, not three fall, right? No, uh, many we have left. 14 actual days of work, not counting our weekends. That's not many. Nope, and I have an early it's release this week, too, so... No, we don't have that. We yeah. don't have any again for the rest of the year. So. Yeah, we we were under the impression that we were canceling ours, but it turned out we are not. So we have one on Wednesday. Ooh, um, ooh you just announced it. I wonder if people are going to be on your school for that. Never mind. No, we have our own. Uh, we have our own systems. So, um, we are going to basically be jumping in. Unless, do you guys have any uh, movies you've seen recently you want to mention? Or yeah, I I gotta mention this one because. Oh, great. Uh, not because it's new; it's from '93. Oh. But I wish I wish there were a way to, because I know the Roku devices will. You can control them from the tablets. You can control them from the phone. And I think you could even listen to it through the app, but you oh. can't get the image. So I want. I, I've been. I was looking because what I had stumbled onto was a Scott Wolf. He plays one of the leads, and I want to—I want to say I've seen Maureen Flanagan in something else, but I, she gets top billing over him, and the—at least according to IMDb—and this is what it was called: Teenage Bonnie and Klepto Clyde. And I mm. wondered what I was watching, and he plays Clyde Barrow, and Maureen Flanagan plays um, Bonnie. Oh, mm. Bonnie! It just says Bonnie. I, uh, Bonnie yeah. Parker. Thank you. And I I couldn't stop looking. It was it was something, and I wish <laughs> I could have just finished it because I mean we know what ultimately is going to happen to those characters unless you don't know your Bonnie and Clyde history. But man, I just couldn't look away, and I I, I wish I'd had the technology. I just didn't want to sit out there watching. It. I was 
somewhat involved, but not fully involved enough to sit out there and watch it till the rest of the the mm. end. So I don't know if that's a glowing review or not. I don't know. It's interesting. I didn't know this movie existed. Um, it says it's it's a Bonnie and Clyde story told from a contemporary setting. Mm-hmm. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, that's Paul exactly Norman, what it was. What? Yeah, I know, no, right? John, Sh- John, <laughs> Shep- John oh, Shepard, maybe, or Shep-eared. Yeah, I don't know. I can't make it out. It's one of those weird spellings, and yeah, it's uh, it's only gotten eight reviews. Oh, two critics review. I I don't even want to. I'll have to look at the reviews. It's just it's the Roku channel is the the B movie channel, I think. So this this really fits everything. Everything I've ever seen on that during the break, I hit more of the Roku channels that I don't always get to watch, and. There, uh, I can't even remember the other one. It had to do with aliens, and it was a mess. I will say, <laughs> um, this director, John Shapiro, or however you want to say it, uh, his best known for features um, Chupacabra Terror from 2005, which screams B-movie all over it. So, Oh, I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. That sounds. I wonder if that was a Lifetime Movie Network. Probably. It looks like it. Box it looks, voice. yeah, it does. The Santa Trap, never heard of that one. Nope. Um, I don't know. It doesn't say if it's a... Does it, it would say somewhere it was like a Lifetime movie or something. But He hasn't done much for the last since Jersey Shore Shark Attack. I know, mm. right? Jersey Shore Shark Attack. TV movie from 2012. Hmm. I wonder if that's an asylum. Nah. I, I just can't dig deeper. This We're, we're opening we portals are, to... We are, Entering a world of nonsense, and uh, we need to move away. Well, from I have it. to include someone else because now it legitimizes it and makes it more real. Okay, and surely someone will. There you go. Maybe it wasn't a fever it. dream or something like that. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, um, hey, hey, my turn. Okay, go for it. Yeah. Sorry, I went to see yesterday Coco. Oh, great! I didn't know that. I loved it, and Bill loved it, and he was the one that was kind of dragging his feet, I told and he you. loved it. And um, here's the thing. I think that I understand that they don't want to give the story away in the trailers, but they make it not – you know what I mean? They make it not seem as, like, complex, and well, I don't even know the, how to explain first, it. They don't even explain what Coco is in the trailer. Like, there's no, no – frame of reference and it's not like that's a reveal at the end um if anything it is kind of a spoiler but it's not not in the way they deliver it either but um i i love coco it's i wouldn't say it's my favorite pixar movie but it's in i'd have to do some really thinking but it's probably in my top five maybe at the uh, for sure it's in my top 10 of pixar it was so good yeah Um, i I loved it and you said that you teared up i like was I was a few tears away from sobbing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then although can we talk about this? I don't understand why there was that twenty-one, 21 minute, minute trailer. Frozen. <sighs> it was a Christmas special forced in front of Coco. I don't care. I'd rather see a Pixar short. Yes, and that's been the consensus from everybody. Um, so they're making Frozen two, and apparently this was them uh, trying to remind people what they loved about Frozen and. All they did was annoy the crap out of me. They crammed so yeah. many songs into that 21-minute short. And then I did watch – I finally watched Frozen. 
Oh. And I really can't stand the singing voice of Elsa. There, I said it. Wow. Sorry. Is it Indina? Idina? We'd have to ask John Travolta. Indiza Medizel. Thank you. I don't know. If... No, that's not it. I'm yeah, I didn't think it was it. <laughs> it. It was close. There's an I, D, and E. Indina Medizel, I believe. I think that's it. Okay. That sounds but legit. Who? Where? Yeah. What? Travolta butchered her name um, at the Oscars that year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Um, Copious amounts of cocaine. But, yeah, I I'm, I liked Frozen the first time I saw it. I don't think I've watched it a second time. Um, it did get annoying just from it being ever-present. I felt How like did... it was even more chock, chock full of songs than Disney movies usually are. Yeah, it's like a musical. It would have resisted. Because our kids didn't for a little bit, but then we did. Well, we went and it's and I remember the night we saw it very vividly because I had DJed um, our friend Ryan's wedding, and um, my wife had to work the day, so she wasn't at the wedding with me. And I was leaving the wedding, and they were just about to go to the movies, and I was like, "Well, I don't know if I'll make it, but if I can get there in time, I'll I'll join you guys." And I did. So we went and saw Frozen. on the same night Ryan got married and I uh I enjoyed it. I was not in the mood to see it cuz I'd been, you know, at a wedding for hours, like the whole day basically I was there, so I was ready to go to sleep, not see a, an animated film about a snowman fight or whatever. And I I enjoyed it enough. Um she did like it and we did buy it um when it came out. But I don't remember her ever watching it again. <laughs> I think she was just like, wow. yeah, no, it's fine. Um, unlike La La Land, which she watched multiple times. And uh, yeah. But she's older then at that point. True. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I, she has. OK, a great example was last night she had uh, a friend over and the friend's little brother. And my wife put on a random Christmas movie from Netflix, as she'll do. Um, and it was awful. Um, very, very awful. I I don't even know the name of it, but it was, it essentially wanted to be a Christmas story. Like it used the voiceover, you know, like styling of, of Christmas story. Um, you know, the music that plays in a Christmas story when, uh, he turns in his theme and he imagines the teacher like raving about it. Um, it has that music when there's a girl that moves in across the street and he sees her for the first time, that exact music plays. Um, I mean, there's so, there's a bully who's very much set up where like he he gets mad and fights the bully the same way as a Christmas story, not from a snowball, but similar setup. I mean, it's left and right. There's so many like parallels to the Christmas story, but then with really bad dialogue and like I mean, like they almost it felt like they opened a book of cliches and then just added them, like copied and pasted them into their script. Like it was so bad. And I'm watching. My wife's fine with the movie. My daughter's friend is okay with it. Her little brother was enjoying it. And my daughter and I are both like cringing and like squirming in our seats, just like, oh my God, why are we watching this? Why is this on? Mm. And it made me proud and also worry because like I'm bad about keeping my opinions quiet, especially if I don't like something, especially when I know there's like a million better things we could be watching. And (laughs) I was trying really hard not to ruin it for the little kid. Oh man, but it it was tough. But uh, maybe sometimes we 
have to watch really bad movies so we can appreciate the really good ones. I always hear that, but there's still like better bad movies. <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> there are better bad movies out there than what I watched. I feel on like Netflix. you should just appreciate her for what she is. She's fearless. Well, no, she's and just, you know, she appreciates <laughs> Christmas uh, everything. And I mean, the premise of most Christmas films is is enough to. Uh, warrant warm feelings i suppose like no matter how bad they are they always are going to have like the warm and fuzzy ending because it's a christmas movie most do at least um i mean there's a few out there that i like we collectively don't like deck the halls with uh matthew broderick and danny devito can't stay in that movie um and i think that's one she agrees with me like she won't sit through it kind of thing and christmas with the cranks is a is a just awful um that's it. So far, I think my judgment has gone pretty well. I don't think I've seen any of those except for Frozen. Yeah, well, Frozen's not a bad movie. I think Frozen suffered from the New Kids on the Block syndrome, which was overabundance. It was everywhere. Like, I don't know if I. Everyone was asked that year. In the 80s, I remember my cousins being obsessed with New Kids on the Block, and they had everything. They had the action figures or the dolls or whatever that you want to call they were Barbies. them. Um, they were like Barbies, exactly. They they had like the uh, FM transmitting microphone so you could sing with New Kids on the Block through your stereo, um, I guess. I don't know why you would do that, but just like they had everything and that's New Kids on the Block oversaturated why the market. wouldn't you do that? If you can make the money. I had Jordan and Joey dolls. Yeah. Confession time. So... Frozen did that same thing where it, it was anything they could merchandise, it was there. And I think it's it was too much too soon. Like, people got burnt out on it because everywhere you turned, it was frozen. Like, because people, you could say that Star Wars over-merchandises, but Star Wars built up to the over-merchandising, right? Like, at this point, Star Wars fans are like Star Wars fans. There's not much you can do. Even, no matter how bad Jar Jar Binks was, we stuck around. You know what I'm saying? Like, we came back when Force Awakens came out, and... No matter how much merchandising you do, because I think right now you can buy Star Wars themed vegetables in your uh, local produce department. Like it's just regular vegetables, but they slap Star Wars characters on the on the bags. You know, unnecessary, but whatever. Um, but Frozen, I think it was just too much too soon. People got burnout on it, and it did last still a long time, mind you. Like I would say a good two years in the zeitgeist where it was mm. the most popular thing. But I think at this point. The kids that loved it are too old to still love it. So Frozen 2 is probably going to flop um, unless a younger generation gets reminded of, of Frozen and, and enjoy it again. But I don't know. We've we've gone too too deep into the Frozen hole. But, Corey, so you like Coco. That's good. Loved it. And you did not go see Three Billboards today? No, I told you I needed to be home today. I know, and I told you you got to make a sacrifice for the movies. But mm. um, I wanted to go see uh, – a few things, and none of that worked out. And I'm very disappointed in my wife and daughter because I desperately wanted to take them to see Lady Bird, and they just—it <gasps> seemed like they were opposed. They never said no. It just seemed like they kept doing things to prevent it from happening, and it disappointed me. Because um, I—I ma- I went out of my way yesterday to make sure there would be no room for excuses, and they still found excuses. Um, nonetheless, I didn't get to see that again. I did see Bad Mom's Christmas, which was fun. Uh, not great. There's some definitely like. Really cheesy expositional moments that do not need to be in the movie, but the uh, comedy was was funny. If you like the first one, the second one's gonna satisfy the itch, and it's it's got a Christmas message, I guess. Um, so there you go. It was it was a good time. Uh, my wife and I went and saw it, so that was that was just fine. All right, so we're gonna talk movie bands. Um, 
This is a list I've been thinking about for a while now, um, and I'm really excited to get to talk about these, not not just the movies that the bands are in, but also some of the songs from these bands, because uh, a lot of these are in my heavy rotation. Um, not all of them, but some of them are in my heavy rotation for what I listen to when I'm not listening to other podcasts. So I'm excited to, to breach this topic. Um, I didn't think about this, but I didn't look to see who was supposed to go first this week. Um is it by chance me? Because I th- I think it might be. But um, we approach this list uh, a little more stringent than a lot of our other ones. So I think we ne- we might need to lay some of the rules down. If you've never listened to this podcast before, um, what we do is we come up with a topic and we make our list uh, in secret from one another. And the episode is us discussing our top five of whatever the category is. And that's what you get to listen to. Um so, uh, ooh, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, it is me. It's John, Corey, Mike this week. So I'll be going first, which is exciting. Um, so uh, here's the basic gist of the rules. Uh, when we said movie bands, it I, I don't know if Mike got all of these or not. It's okay if not, Mike. Um, but there was a very long group chat, I think, last Sunday night or Monday, uh, where I was asking Corey a bunch of questions, but it was really late. So I don't know if you went back and read them all or not. But, um if if to me when i hear the word band i think instruments so i i kept my list uh to like people playing instruments in a band so i also took the word band to mean not a solo artist so it had to have at least two people um and the big thing was it had to be a fictional band so it could not be a band that existed outside of the movie first and then came into the movie um now it could be famous musicians who came into the movie as as a different band, um, and I, I have examples, but I don't want to give away anyone's topic, so I will uh, let that go. But um, I wonder why Corey gasped. No, I'm sorry, I'm yawning. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's so like boring. been. No, I think I need you guys to know this that I live in the very I live very northwest. Okay, not in the cool parts of the Northwest, like, you know, Washington, but it's gray here all day, and today we got no sunshine, and on a good day during the winter, it the sun comes out at, like, 10, and then it starts setting at, like, 4. Nice. I might I like as well it. live in Which... Alaska, <laughs> except that I'm tired all day, so I'm sorry. Understood. Hmm. Um, That is tough. Um, it's a hard life. But so we're going to be talking about our favorite movie bands tonight, and I'm excited because uh, this is an, a subject that I am super passionate about. Um, some of my favorite movies feature music at the uh, heart of the story. Um, I've left some off. Um, I've got a lot of honorable mentions on this list, but uh, we are going to go from five to one. Um, and before we do that, Corey. Okay, guys, if you want to go to BerkReviews.com and check out our list ahead of time, Please do so. Otherwise, full steam ahead. We might ruin something about these movies for you. Spoilers. Spoiler warning. Um, and Mike, uh, Mike has a, a tendency. We have a, a listener. Um, shout out to Aaron, who has been one of our. Uh, I think he's by far our longest consistent listener. Although we did lose him for a little while when I we switched uh, hosts and I screwed things up. Um, but we got him back, and uh, he was talking to me the other day on a message, um, and he gave some suggestions, and I, I liked all of them. And one of the things 
uh, he he noted we've fallen into archetypes. The three of us. I don't know. Um, he didn't use this terminology necessarily, but oh I found god, it interesting. which am I? Um, well, you are the uh, the the everyman. You are the more you know. You have a more common movie knowledge, as in like you watch. Um, the bigger movies that mo- more people are going to know the movies that you're talking about where I tend to be kind of along the um, movie like elitist kind of category. Those aren't his words either, but just that I know like I know the movies, you know, and then I go like one step higher to like the searching through the movie like list and, and f- seeking things out. And I'm dragging you along with me, too. Obviously, that's what movie club is all about, is that we're both yeah. dragging each other through all these crazy movies that we're trying to, to explore. And then Mike is the eclectic one who has, you know, the movies that most people have never heard of. Um, and that's why this uh, game that we've been playing, which we still I think next year it'll be a goal to actually make this matter. Um, but Corey and I like to wager how many of Mike's movies we have seen um, and then, you know. Uh, brag about it for the rest of the time. So, because the subject is music, and I feel fairly confident, I'm going to go big. I'm going to go four of my spot. <laughs> what you got? I'm still going with two. I feel like next year, whoever wins the most should get to. I maybe do like the summer the summer movie wager thing we did. Uh huh. But then, how's that fair to Mike? Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, Mike wouldn't. Mike would get to make. Maybe Mike would get to pick the movie that the loser would watch. Ooh. So, like okay. the the person who uh, gets the most wins or whatever, because we don't always win. That's the other catch. Sometimes we both lose. So, <laughs> um, but Mike would get to pick the movie for the loser to watch. I feel that Corey should watch a three-hour movie. <laughs> You're the worst. Each one that she doesn't get. You're the worst. I think we should get Corey a three-hour documentary on how they make steelbooks. I'm walking away from this episode. No, how they make steelbooks. So that way you know the process of the steelbooks that you covet. I don't know how this has become (laughs) such a thing for like a year now. That she needs to watch uh, every. I feel like I'm being harassed. Zoe oh, no. Chanel. Oh, gross. And Elizabeth Olsen. Gross. Film. That's when I would resign from my unpaid Jeez. position here at Burke Reviews. I, I'm sorry. I heard that they're doing a movie together. Um, Are you kidding right now? It's a biopic. And they named it. Um, Jesus. It's a biopic about the White Stripes where uh, Zoe Deschanel is going to play Jack. And Elizabeth Olsen's <laughs> going to play Meg. Um, no, I have no idea. I'm just making all that up. Anyways, oh. speaking of music, let's get into our um, – Corey's gone two. I went four of Mike's movies. It's going to go me, Corey, Mike this week. Um, so let's start off. And We're going back to 1994, guys, in an era of music that I, I personally feel is my favorite time period of music, which is the grunge era. Um, although I don't know that this band is technically grunge. I think they might be kind of more fringe, like 80s metal that – carried into 90s with a little bit of the grunge flair and that is the lone rangers from the movie airheads um starring adam <laughs> sandler brendan frazier and steve buscemi and i think the look that he was meant to always have but never kept you guys know what i'm talking about with this like with the long hair the long hair he looks actually like somewhat normal in airheads because he's got the eyes you know his eyes are are bulgy 
And man, when he's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he has eyes. Yes, the eyes. Well, you know what I mean by eyes. But like, he's got the mustache <laughs> kind of beard look going on in this movie. He actually looks really cool. Um, and uh, it's directed by Michael Lehman. It is a 46 Metacritic, but I it was a huge Adam Sandler fan in the 90s, as many people were. Um, and Airheads just work for me on so many levels. Oh, and I can't. Chris Farley's in this movie too, so you got to give him. He's a small part, but it has some great like little scenes in it. Um, you also got Michael McKean, Judd Nelson. I, f- I always forget Judd Nelson. Um, yeah, wow, oh Judd gosh. Nelson's so weird in that movie. Uh, Ernie Hudson's fantastic in the movie. Um, trying to find the other guy. Oh, well, David Arquette's in it as a basically a druggie, and it's funny. Ah, there, Joe uh, Mantenega is that to Tegna? I don't know how to say his name. Man, man, Joe Mantegna. Is that how you say that? Is that who that is? Man, okay. I've heard that name M-A-N- a billion times. I didn't realize that's who that person was. Um, M-A-N-T-E-G-N-A? Yeah. Oh, and he's on Mantegna. He's on Criminal he's Minds. He's on Criminal Minds. Yeah, I love it's him in this correct. movie. Um, the Lone Ranger is one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when he they tell him their name. He's like, you can't pluralize the Lone Rangers. Like, why not? It's like, well, there's three of you. You're not exactly lone. And I just, it's a dumb movie, but um, the whole premise of the film is for any local band. There are a local band struggling, trying to make get a record label, which now in today's world, record labels, record signing to a record label is no longer the, the necessity it used to be, especially in the early 90s and even the mid 90s. Um, so looking to get uh, attention, they break into a, a radio station and demand, with water pistols that look like guns, demand that they play their demo, and then things go wrong, and we finally get to hear the song at the end, and it's uh, Degenerated, and I love the song. It's a great song. I actually listened to it this morning on uh, Google Play to, to make sure they were worthy of my list, because I love the band themselves. Like I enjoy the, the, like their presence. Um, Brendan Fraser is really rocking like the 80s kind of look to him, and then... Uh, Adam Sandler is the drummer. Um, Steve Buscemi's character is the, uh, his brother. Adam Sandler and Buscemi are brothers in this movie, and he's the bass player. You know, I, I just enjoy the whole the name of the band, the look of the band. I the one song we get to hear from them, and of course their journey, like them their struggle, their plight. It's a band that has always stuck with me, and I cannot um, even twenty three years later. Holy cow! Uh, forget holy them. goodness! So uh, that's my number five, the Lone Rangers from Airheads. Uh- you're probably going to be surprised at this, but I've gone 23 years without watching it. I'm not as surprised. I've never seen it either. Really? Man, it's, yeah. a, um, it's a movie that I think in my circles of bands, it was one that was kind of like a cult following within the rock community because it, it, it really does, in my opinion, capture the uh, the plight of the, the little band. You know, these guys aren't, they're talented. They're just, they're kind of dumb and they're getting kicked out of everything they're trying to do. You know, they're just desperately trying to get that that label. And, um, you know, you got the sleazy record executives. And, um, oh, even uh, the guy that plays Kramer is in this movie, too. And his role Michael is... Richards. Yeah. Oh. He's got a funny kind of, like, side side plot that um, is just... It's stupid, but it's funny. And then uh, Harold Ramis shows up at one point. Um, Jeez. Yeah, it's got a lot of little cameos. Um yeah, uh, it's just it's it's one you got to check out for sure, especially if you like rock music. Um, oh, that's right, Mike Judge has got a credit because uh, Beavis and Butthead prank called the station at one point. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's a really great kind of time capsule of '90s music, and I, I I like it. So that's there on my list. 
I feel like I need to watch that. I really like maybe Super maybe Vision. one day. I I definitely maybe think it's day. it's a must watch. Um, they end up. I don't want to spoil anything, but they end up taking uh, the station ransom. Like oh, like they're they're things go wrong and they end up taking everyone as hostages. And so they're like making these crazy their their logic is they make crazy demands, like the kidnapping demands. Ernie Hudson's the uh the police officer that they're negotiating with. Um so they make the most outrageous demands they can think of uh so that if they get if so- things go wrong and they end up getting arrested that they can plead insanity and this their demands will prove that they were crazy. So like they ask for like uh, a football helmet full of cottage cheese, um, naked pictures of B. Arthur. Like it's, it's it's outrageous. Like it's just it's crazy B. funny. Arthur? That's yeah, very specific. Ninety four, man. Golden Girls was relevant. Golden Girls. <laughs> so yeah, um, I I I love that movie. I actually I've owned it on uh, VHS and DVD. I don't own it digital or Blu-ray yet, but I would add it to my Blu-ray collection for sure. Because it's it's again, it's not a perfect movie. But I think if you like '90s rock music and you like any of those actors, um, and I still think Buscemi, not only is he great in this, um, I mean he's great in most things, but I think this is the look he was meant to have. Like he looks cool. Like he looks way cooler in this movie than in any other movie, um, in my opinion. So there you go. That Fair enough. leads us to Corey's number five. I'm very curious to see your oh, list. Corey. No. Okay, I know. I feel like some of it is going to be very, you know, you guys will just already know. But then I hope something like this might throw you off because it's um, from 2000, the Soggy Bottom Boys Ah. from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, I can't remember if I watched this movie. I can't even remember how I came about watching this movie i'm pretty sure my grandmother loves the soundtrack i know my uncle ed loves the soundtrack and every once in a while he'll put it on at like family you know dinners or something and i feel like this type of music i mean because it's kind of bluegrass i don't think a lot of people would expect to like it but i you know what i mean i think that it like goes beyond its genre out to lots of different people um mm-hmm. and it just fits so perfectly with the movie which unfortunately i haven't seen in a while but oh. i just really love the music in this movie i can i agree completely it did not make my list um but i do love uh both of the songs that we get to hear them sing they sing mainly um man of constant sorrow but they also sing in the jailhouse now um at the in the part towards the end and i love both songs i love every instance that we get the Man of Constant Sorrow song. Um, and I have seen this movie a lot because I actually taught this alongside the Odyssey because uh, the story is based around the mm-hmm. book, the Odyssey. And then I taught yep. it as a film because it's the Coens and it's one of their more family-friendly films, which isn't entirely accurate, but it's it's much cleaner than a lot of their other stuff. So it's, it's I think, PG-13 compared <clears throat> to R. Um, and so I've, I've seen this, I can't even tell you how many times, but... I've always enjoyed it, and I am not a fan of country music traditionally. And while this is not country, it's bluegrass, I think mm-hmm. is what we would call it, right? Yep. Um, I still wasn't aware of it, and uh, it's such a fun song. Um, uh, yeah, I, and it's a real, it is a real band though. Um, if I'm not, yeah, mistaken. it's like no, it is well-known musicians who came in to record the songs. Ah, okay. Right. I can't remember which ones, but yeah, and um, even. Well, I'll- Oh, go ahead, Mike. Well, I want to watch it again because I, I put it on the honorable mentions. It's just I, I do like it. It's not that I dislike it. I just didn't feel like it was. It could be in my top five. 
just because I haven't watched it nearly as much as you have. And that's what's funny because I am a bluegrass fan, or at least the blue, the bits of bluegrass that I've heard, the uh, Alison Krauss, the Statler brothers, uh, a couple of bands here and there. there um, there's one that specializes in bluegrass covers of more contemporary stuff, and I cannot oh. remember their name. Yeah, they're that. really good. I just can't. Their name escapes me, sadly. Yeah, I, I, I love this movie, though, as a collective. I mean, it's not the music is important to the plot, but it's not what the plot is set out to do. It just happens to end up being um, part of the plot. But um, I do I do love the song. I love the scene when they record um, the song for the first time. And uh, you get to see George Clooney being the swarmy um, kind of uh, con artist that we know him to be when he tricks the blind man. Uh, into having more members of the band than there actually is and things like that. Um, yeah, I really, really like that. Good pick. No question. Thanks. All right, Mikey, what do you got for number five? Well, I am going with the band that helped launch rock and roll with the help of a time-displaced team. I knew it. Marvin <laughs> Berry and the Starlighters from the Fish Under the I mean, the Enchantment Under the Sea Dance in 1985's Back to the Future. Without, I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? No. Um, without Marty's filling in for the injured guitar player, it, it all fits and works together so perfectly if Marty hadn't been thrown in the trunk and then, you know, they chase off Biff's gang, who isn't much of a gang because they run off, uh, you know, after being, you know, after seeing who they're up against. It's always easier when it's three or four of them against one lone time displaced teenager and then they run into marvin barry and his crew and then marvin slicing his hand open and all that and then you know going through earth angel mm-hmm. you know like in my mind i'm like wow they're you know and then he jumps into that roaring version of johnny be good marvin would never have made that call to chuck yep chuck barry his cousin and, you know, in my mind at that point, it was like, whoa, that's really, cool. you know, revisionist history, mm-hmm. fictional history on top of that. Yeah. Remember that sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this. And he's holding the phone and, you know, and he's even doing the Chuck Berry chicken. You know, it's almost like Marvin totally does a play by play and Chuck totally takes this and invents rock and roll. So, I mean, I figure I should probably mention the Pinheads. But I always felt the Pinheads, you know, his band in high school that he was trying. Uh-huh. To get into the battle of the bands was just trying to cop on uh, Huey and the Lewis tunes, ironically, because it is Huey Lewis that tells them they're too darn loud. Too darn loud. And too darn loud. And also, did that guy ever have any hair? Is the prince? I mean, I don't. The way they did all these little things, but it, it, they're only there for a quick moment. But without that, without Earth Angel to get George and and Mom together, Marty would have disappeared in front of their eyes. So. Uh, it scores 96% fresh, 94% audience, 8.5 IMDb, 4.3 letterboxed, and an 86 Metascore, as it should. It definitely should. One of my favorite movies of all time. Partly why I left it off, because I've talked about this movie, uh, I think, a few times already. Um, but I don't blame you at all for having it on the list. I also, while I enjoy the songs, my favorite part is when Marty's playing, and so it's not their band that I love, although they are very talented because they picked that song up with no practice. Yeah, no he tells training. them to watch for the key changes and they, man, they pick up on those key changes. They sure do. Um, and, uh, but I definitely, it's a, one of the most iconic scenes. And of course we get to see it again in Back to the Future too. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we get to see them a second time. 
So pivotal. And so, and I think Corey and I both have seen this movie. So one each. Yes. Um, yeah. I uh, Corey, do you have anything to add to uh, the band? Mm. Uh. Uh-uh, I feel like that's a fun puck. A fun puck. It's a fun. Puck. Yes. Uh, words. Yes. Words and things. I'm glad, I'm glad she didn't. I'm glad she didn't. Uh, she didn't say it was a pun. Something she could have put yeah, those consonants. Been a bad word, but we don't do wordy yeah. words here. Um, I say that for movie club, and I don't even go wild there. So, all right. Well, I guess. Um, yeah, excellent pick for sure. We'll move into mine, and I think we might have another movie. Uh, I guess maybe you guys should have bet how many of my movies you've seen because I'm. I'm. I'm gonna go with three for your movies. Oh, okay. Um, and. Mike, what do you think? Just out of curiosity. Oh well, I got a lowball since y'all always lowball me. I'm going to. Okay. Well, this movie's from 2008 and stars Rain Wilson, Josh Gad, um, Teddy Geiger, and Emma oh. Stone, <laughs> and it's The Rocker from 2008. Yep. And more specifically, the band that I'm picking is ADD, which is the band that um, <laughs> Teddy Geiger, Josh Gad, and Emma Stone are in. Their drummer gets grounded and so they're not gonna be able to play the prom and they ask uh josh gads who plays the character matt matt's uncle fish who is rain wilson um to fill in now fish was a disgraced drummer he was in like an awesome 80s band and they get signed to a label under one condition that they replaced fish with another drummer and so he gets kicked out of what he built and they become like the world's biggest band there's kind of like a a fictional megadeth or metallica um, they're called Vesuvius, and they have uh, lasted the test of time, and he's watched from a distance, never playing the drums again, until his oh. nephew calls upon him. Now, um, there's so many great comedic performances in this movie, because Jane Lynch plays Rain Wilson's sister, um, and uh, Jeff Garland plays her husband. Um, Jason Sudeikis ends up being the record label executive. The guys in the band Vesuvius, we have Will Arnett, uh, Fred Armisen, <laughs> and... Um, what? I think Lonnie Ross is Lonnie Ross, and then there's one more guy who I'm missing. I can't think of who the the other one is. Like, it doesn't look like any of those people. Is it Bradley Cooper? Is he the other one in there? Jeez, Bradley Cooper's build here. I didn't remember him being in the band, but he must be because I don't see anyone else that could be. Um, one of Does my favorite. A small raccoon. Yes. Uh, there's a moment Dimitri Martin plays a, a director of a music video, and I freaking love that scene so much. This movie's really underrated, I think, if especially if you like rock music. Um, Rain Wilson is a dynamo in this movie. Like he is chewing the scenery, he is living it up. Um, he gets a really interesting story with Christina Applegate plays Teddy uh, Teddy Geiger's character's mother in the movie, and so there's an interesting what? dynamic there. Yeah, it's. I love this movie. I really do. Um, I saw it, like, I think I rented it before Blockbuster died and was kind of blown away because I didn't expect to like it at all. And I was laughing and I liked the music in it. Um, Teddy Geiger is a musician. Um, he is a, like, pop rock uh, writer. And he he wrote all the songs for the soundtrack um, under the guise of ADD. And they're, they're super catchy. They're definitely poppy, but they're pop rock, you know. Um, this is where I was introduced to Josh Gad before he became freaking Olaf and Frozen, and um, I—he's kind of a similar squirmy, quiet, awkward character in this. Um, but I, I liked him in this movie. I thought he fit like the dynamics of the the group were very powerful. But one of my favorite scenes, and I think the scene that won me over for the music, is uh, they record their their demo. 
And Teddy Geiger's character has this, he has daddy issues, which is a joke they kind of make throughout the, uh, throughout the film. And, um, he, he has, as a result, he has a lot of confidence issues about his music. Like he, it's not good enough. And Rain Wilson's like, well, we got to do the driving test. And he's like, what? He's like, if you can drive around and listen to your song and you, and you have to sing along with it and you're having a good time, you know, it's good. And so then there's just like a montage of them driving through the city and then singing their new song together. And it's, it's. Anyone who loves music, you've had a moment like that in the car where there's a song that just takes you away and you're ripped into it and you can't not sing it. No matter how bad you sound or how dumb you look in the car, you are just going with it. At least I think so because it connects to me in that way. And I I don't think enough people saw this movie. Again, not for everybody. I think if you love – if you're okay with poppy rock music, which I am, um, if you like funny – like. I mean, if you like Emma Stone, Rain Wilson, Jane Lynch, or Christina Applegate, or Jason Sudeikis, you're going to find joy in this movie for sure. Um, and again, if you like like rock music, because it, it does, it, they're on the road, so you get like the tour movie, but you also get um, you get this interesting character of a guy who was right there at the threshold of his dream, had it taken away from him, 20 years later gets another chance with a, a group of kids, mind you. So he's the odd man out. He's too old to be starting the tour, but he does. Um, Aziz Ansari is in this film, too, as a, a very small part. He plays a co-worker with him before he uh, gets into ADD. I mean, it's just little little cameos from all these great comedians. It's got tons of humor and tons of heart and some really great music from ADD. So that's my pick. Yeah, this is one I'm aware of and just didn't watch or haven't watched yet. So, but considering all the names you've named, I'm actually—I guess I just didn't realize. That's what I'm saying. I—I I didn't. I rented this as on a whim. I don't even remember what made me finally pick it. I, I think I was just in the mood for something with music, and I had seen Airheads too many times, so I grabbed this one and then uh, I bought it. I really—I liked it so much that I went and, oh, I went wow. and picked it up. So I've—I've I've seen this multiple times, and it was on. HBO or Showtime at some point, and it was anytime it was on, I was watching it because um, it's a movie I can just throw on at any moment in the film and be fine with you know going till the end. Uh, I, I watched it recently within the last. Um, I don't think I made it to the end when I was watching because I think I had to leave or something. But like it's again, you can just throw it on and enjoy the moments that you see. If it's you know comedy or um, uh, even how they get noticed is really funny. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll leave that for the, if you haven't seen it to to be a surprise but Corey, uh you're a rain wilson fan and you have not seen this I, movie right i am i like a lot of people that you named until you got to fred armison and i hate him uh, but he's um, he's only in vesuvius so he's only in like three scenes in the whole okay. movie. Uh, perfect I, I, I love how she's like nope can't do it just <laughs> one person <laughs> it kind of bothers me thinking of christina applegate being a mother i don't right? know why no, yeah, totally. A person. She could have been a mother. Kelly Bundy could have been a mother back then. Oh, <laughs> I know, but I just actually that kind of that kind of would fit if that was Kelly Bundy, because like, she is. They do say like she's too young to be his mother or something in the movie, but um, oh, she's no. in Bad Moms. The fir- uh, she's a major. She's the antagonist in Bad Moms. Um, the first oh. one. Oh. Um, and uh, oh, not in this one. The she one. she has a cameo in in Bad Moms Christmas, but she's the the full antagonist in the first movie. She's like the perfect mom um, that like everything has to be spot on head head of the PTA. Yeah, she is. Yeah, but <laughs> she's had a lot of practice. She started young. I'm kidding. All right, good lord. Is, is that a <laughs> character kidding. she played on TV? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, all right, let's go to Corey's number four. Okay, my number four is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I feel like um, we just talked about this one. Did we? It I seems very similar. I think I it's, just it's, talked about this with a friend at work. The name what? Hedwig uh, always makes me think of Harry Potter, and it throws me off. Oh, now I feel bad. I feel like I should have looked at my last list. But anyways, I um, love Hed- Hedwig a lot. Um, she is a transgender that had a botched sex change, and now she's started a band, but her band isn't as successful as it could be, and a former lover, played by Michael Pitt, as oh. Tommy Gnosis in the movie, steals her songs, and then he becomes very famous. Oh, man. With her stolen songs. But um, I just feel like, I I just think that she's the perfect rock star. I don't know. I love her big blonde feathered hair and you know all of her aesthetics and the music is fun too um, and it's from 2001 movie and the person that plays Hedwig um I think John Cameron Michael he um yeah no John Cameron Mitchell yeah. plays uh, Hedwig but he also wrote the film which actually started as a musical um play yeah, a play, and then went to this movie, and now it's back to being a musical. Um, I think that, oh, God, why am I forgetting who played Dexter? Um, Michael. Michael C. Hall. Um, yeah. Yep. Has played Hedwig and Neil Patrick Harris most oh, wow. recently. Has played Hedwig. I, you know, cool. I've heard the name of this band, this movie mm-hmm. slash band multiple times. I, I knew nothing <clears throat> about it. And, again, I think because Hedwig – in my brain connects to Harry Potter. I've always associated it with the band from uh, Goblet of Fire that mm-hmm. um, plays at the uh, the party for for the Wizards, <laughs> and so I've just always assumed that was. It. And of course, that makes no sense because why would they name their band after Harry's owl in that movie? But nonetheless, in my head, every time I've ever heard anyone mention it, that's what I've assumed it was. And so I oh. I knew like nothing about this. I am I'm gonna have to seek this movie out. It sounds right up my alley. Is that- Sadly, it's only available on DVD. I don't think they ever, they've never reissued it on Blu-ray. And the soundtrack is kind of hard to get a hold of, too. But they did reissue, or no, they released a little while later um, a cover of the songs from the movie by Famous Musicians. And I think it's called Wig in a Box. I just downloaded that probably within the last month or so. But I think that's awesome. And her songs in the movie are very autobiographical. They... Like take you through the movie, of course, but one of my favorite games is, and I wish I I, I know I restarted the run because you can replay it on a harder difficulty and get all bonus all sorts of bonuses. But anyway, you have a series of familiars, and this game is all stick figure. I'll, I'll plug them because they're they're really great and people still play them. It's a pretty active community called the Kingdom of Loathing. And I remember getting my owl familiar and naming it Hedwig and the Angry <laughs> Inch. Because it, you know, I tried to come up with different familiar names, and that was the best I could do for that one. So, so I just did a quick scan, and it looks like you can get uh, it digital um, from all of the. It's it's actually part of the Movies Anywhere collection, um, but oh. you have to, the cheapest uh, of the four stores because. Movies Anywhere connects Vudu, iTunes, Amazon, and Google Play. 
Uh, Google Play has it for ten bucks. Everyone else has it for twelve ninety nine or thirteen ninety nine. So, um, I might be snagging it off of Google Play later. But interesting. All right. Um, I, it's Corey. I'm glad you picked that because now I have a movie that one I haven't seen, and two, it's about music, and I love that. So, and it's uh Michael Pitt. I am always kind of on the fence about, but. Um, I know. I'll, I'll give him a, you know, uh, the movie's got a great medic score, 85, so definitely in, in. Yeah, it was well-liked. I don't remember watching it, but it was well-liked. Well-received. Well, that leads us to you, sir. What is Oh, your... it's back to me already? It's your number four. Oh, okay. Well, uh, this one's probably going to be one of my least popular of my picks, and we've talked about it before. But it's my only pick, if I recall correctly, where the entirety of the film around revolves around them. 2001's eponymous Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> the, I, I knew well, this was going to be on your list, dude. Yep. <laughs> Do what? I knew this would be on your list. Oh, I mean, the immense resurgence of the Archie properties, thanks to the Riverdale, Riverdale series, has now introduced the band in a wholly different incarnation. Two younger audiences, which I'm I'm okay with, but for me, Rachel Lee Cook hit the right notes. Haha, and <laughs> Josie McCoy and Rosario Dawson and Tara Reed. I mean, I this was the role that Tara Reed was born to play. Oh, I mean, really, I can't. Uh, when she's standing on the side of the road, honk if you like, whatever, and then she has the one, but she trims off the last part of the band name and causes a car wreck. That is totally oh. something. I could see her doing um, it just my only real disappointment is the fact that there really wasn't a hint at Archie in the film. I'm sure that had something to do with some sort of legal ramifications or they didn't, you know, they couldn't use the Archie, even though they are part of the Archie comics universe. And also the cat was missing. There's one of the villain has a cat. And I, I honestly, I, I read a lot. Everything else seemed to work properly for me i read a lot of archie comics growing up and i know some kids are actually getting uh we've bought john some of the classic archie comics mm. uh, it and and anyway so overall the ratings were just dismal 53 percent rotten 51 percent audience score 5.3 imdb score 2.9 letterbox score 47 metascore it doesn't matter to me i'm gonna claim this guilty pleasure it's mine and oh and that's not even mentioning because really the impetus of Josie and the Pussycats, their fame is because of what happens to Du Jour. I love the jab at the boy band Bad at the time. Mm. And uh, Seth Green, uh, Pays on Love? Who's the guy from uh, from Scrubs? His buddy, Turk's buddy. Um, I watch Scrubs. Uh, yeah, I only uh, watched like two episodes of Scrubs, but I started okay, watching. Okay. Uh, but Seth, I mean, just the bickering back and forth. I want to, Oh man, oh, the names are escaping me because I remember the mains, but there, uh, Alan Cummings, this sleazy manager who eventually moves on to Josie and then Parker Posey makes an appearance. Oh, mm-hmm. that's probably why I forgive, oh. why I forgive this <laughs> film, what I do. Um, yeah, I just, it, it harkened back to childhood for me. And then, cause this is 2001. So 16 years ago, I was much older than older than the demographic they were aiming for, but I, it hit the nostalgia note for me. Yeah, and I, oh. I've known this about you, so I, I was when I was uh, looking <laughs> up, <laughs> trying to uh, like find additional bands so I wouldn't miss anything. 
Um, I did see this and I was like, hmm, Mike will probably have that on his list. Um, but unfortunately, I've not seen it. However, I said four, <laughs> not five. So I was accounting for this potential movie. So, Oh, wow. I, you're not alone in your love for this movie, though, because Mondo Tees, they are doing a, um, a reissue of the soundtrack on Purple Leopard Vinyl. Ooh. And it comes with the bonus du jour, seven inch pressed on white vinyl. <laughs> it was just announced maybe a couple months ago. But I think that's awesome. <laughs> funny. I like Rosario Dawson. I feel like I should watch this. But but Tara um, Reed. I've always liked her. No, but but the role she plays is. I know. And honestly, perfect. this was still when she was okay because this was uh, American Pie was only a couple years old. I don't remember what year Van Wilder came out, but it would have been close to the same year. Um, she was not. She had not hit her over partying phase just yet. I don't think at this point. Hadn't hit the uh, Alone in the Dark terrible yeah. Huey Bowl deal and then and then later it's sharknado so um <laughs> that i uh yeah Corey, and you've not seen it though no yeah and i honestly um i was only i was 19 when the movie came out and i was only vaguely aware of the animated series um i never saw it i knew it existed and i think they might have been on an episode of scooby-doo is that right? I'm sure. I'm sure they did crossover. I feel like they did. I, they did a crossover with something that I saw, and that's the only like real knowledge of Josie and the Pussycats I had. So when the movie came out, between being, I mean, honestly, it it looked like it was geared towards a younger audience, and I was definitely into like oh, yeah. metal music. So I was like, this is the worst thing ever, you know. Um, so d- did not pay any attention, and I think I was actually, I think I laughed with joy when it didn't do well. So. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. That's just hurtful. <laughs> it was I was a I was a very elitist mindset when it came to music in two thousand and one. So did you you quarried this movie? I, I kind of did. I know. I, did. I took that hipster attitude and, and ran with it. Um, let Let's get into uh, some punk rock music for my number three, guys. Um, I I am very aware that the punk music that I like is is considered pop punk. Like I love Blink One Eighty Two. Um, I grew up like the first rock band that I first rock album that I owned was Green Day Dookie. Everything else I had before that was all like rap <laughs> oriented. Also, also punk, right? pop punk. Yes, also <laughs> pop punk. Um, and uh, you know, I was I was very much into pop punk. Um, and I I've recently actually expressed to Mike an interest in starting to explore more like you know, real punk music. Um, like I I've, I said something I like Rancid, although I still kind of consider Rancid to be on the fringe of More pop punk, s- uh, don't say ska. Oh, really? Okay. Well, there. You, I, and oh, I also and like I, ska music. Um, I, I, I like real big distortion. fish. Um, oh, I like social think, distortion. Oh, I do like real big fish. I like a few songs of real They're big fish. To be fair. Ska. Oh yeah, no question. <laughs> but I will, lead, I will lead you down. I'll let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish. Well, <laughs> but this. I feel like this should be documented somewhere so we can follow along. We are literally recording it, but um. No, but to, on the bands that you're oh, okay. being. You it. know, introduced to. Um, in 2015, uh, this movie came out, and I didn't get to see it till 2016. Mm-hmm. But I had to go mm-hmm. with the Ain't Rights from Green Room as my number yeah. three. I knew this. Um, because one, they go into a Nazi bar, and our homeboy Anton Yelchin, may he rest in peace, um, decides to, maybe we should play this Dead Kennedy song, Nazi punks f off, which is not what it's called. <laughs> um, and 
I had never heard that song prior to Green Room um, <laughs> because I had uh, no knowledge of punk music. So um, I was like, oh, my God, did they just write that on the fly? Like, I had no idea what it was. I did a lot of research after I saw the movie because I was like, what is this? Um, but I, I enjoyed all the music that the Ant Rights uh, play, and I liked, I've actually been listening to them on the soundtrack recently. And I, any chance I get to talk about one, Anton Yelchin, and two, Jeremy Saulnier, I'm going to. And um, – this movie is one of my favorites from last year. It's a film that anytime anyone gets uh, a chance to hear me talk about it, I'm going to. And more so, I have yet to find another suspenseful movie as on the edge of my seat as I was watching Green Room. Because I cared so much for this band. Um, you have Anton Yelchin. You have Aliyah Shawkat. Um, I'm just going to name the band members. Uh, Joe Cole and Callum Turner are the band members. Um, I love their their strategy, and they exist in the modern world. But because they're punk rock, they refuse to like advertise on social media, which is an important detail for the plot, as it makes nobody knows where they are, so no one knows to come looking for them. Mm-hmm. And um, like even the struggle that they're in, they they're basically playing this horrible bar so they get enough money to get home. And so th- this is their tour, and it's living this road experience. Um, the band is talented. Uh, easily my favorite shot of a mosh pit ever when it goes into slow motion and the music changes to classical music. Um, but you see this like hardcore mosh pit and it's just, it's brilliant. I love it. The ain't rights, um, is my pick for number three. It was very difficult not to include this on either my honorable mentions or my top five. I'll just give that away that I'm, I didn't, but, and that totally fits with my mind. I, I feel guilty that I missed out on it and didn't get to it till so late. Because mm-hmm. it's it is edge of your seat, cold sweat. You really feel, yeah. To, for a and eight, this is eight twenty four, isn't it? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this this was a sign of things to come because they were already picking this th- that far back already, mm-hmm. and just everything. The tension is palpable, and to see Patrick Stewart in the role that he plays, oh. uh, every just just every everything, and then then just you know when you make people. Feel feel something for your characters and something and then when something happens to them that's 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 a sign of you know something's working properly and it did and by the time you get it's to say it's a roller coaster ride is is so trite it is so cliche but it totally fits it's just my hands actually my palms are sweating just thinking about the different (laughs) scenes oh man because it, it it totally fits and yeah when that that you know you mentioning that song and um I'm not huge on Dead Kennedys, but I do. I do listen. Uh, they do a cover of "Viva Las Vegas" that is Ooh. crazy. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I think Jella Briafra. I because um, I, I I hold you hostage whenever I dri- if I drive somewhere, and usually it's Rollins or some other stuff. And um, for my one Amazon Music channel, I'll just plug them because I've really been enjoying what they have. Some Henry Rollins spoken. But also Jella Biafra, and I'm probably butchering his last name, but that's the the singer of the Dead Kennedys, and he okay. does spoken word and some of the stuff that he comes up with and talks talks about. And it's like, wow, he's really right on, and it's 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 something else. And what I was going to is, we, we can lead you down the dark path because we could get you to. You've already heard some black flag. But, um, we can get you. Descendants is more poppy. I think Descendants yeah. without. The Descendants, or without Descendants, which I totally, a few weeks back, one of our former students and their mom, they're big on punk shows. They've seen No Effects and Pennywise. They saw Descendants at House of Blues. 
Oh. It was, and I showed my wife. She's like, why didn't? Because she knows. Because she's not a punk fan, but she knows where my leanings lie. And mm. just, I cannot believe that they, I missed that show. I'm not going to get a chance to see that particular band that was so big to me in my middle school years. Mm. Um, I was digging up some movies. Obviously, Sid and Nancy falls under this. The Suburbia, not the Richard Linklater, but the one with Flea and that would fall into this. There's one that I've forgotten. And I don't think we've ever mentioned who, of all people, that was really, really surprising, Shane West plays Darby Crash in What We Do as Secret from 2007. And that based on it, it wouldn't fit for this because the Germs were an actual band. Ah. Um, you might probably recognize Pat Smear, who came in to play oh, with yeah. Nirvana on Unplug. Yeah, and Jane's Addiction. Yes, as well. Yes. And, um, and Foo Fighters, which is where... Um, yes, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah. So I, think, I don't yeah. think he was yeah, with yeah. Jane's now that I said that. But um, yeah, 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 I think it's Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely um, with Foo Fighters for sure. But there's this is like the I'll be I'll be honest when someone mentioned the Green Day show before they broke I I said nah and wish now that I could have because their early days were definitely they've shifted more yeah but I could there's still just the longevity of their career is just I mean without them we probably wouldn't have had Blink One Eighty Two but although they're really talented too so. Blinks. In their own respect, I love Blink. Um, um, I I do too. I I I am not ashamed that I do like them. But there's um like for example, and then following the other bunny trails, there's a group out of I think over Korea's area called Poison Idea. And mm. does that ring a bell? Mm. Okay, they're those. That's what we're calling deep cuts. Yeah. Um, we we were fortunate to get oh, a deal Portland. on. Yeah, yeah, they're way out there. Yeah, they're no longer around because the lead singer he called himself Pig Champion. He was, I want to say, near 400, oh. 450 pounds. He didn't oh. take care of himself. Oh man. Um, and they lived a rough life. Or Gigi Allen. There's lots. Yes, yeah, it's too many. It's an, uh, <laughs> it's an acquired taste, and it's not for everyone. I I know that. It just fits though. Uh, it, it got me through a very pivotal time in my – at the time, I think I was listening to some Beastie Boys and Pink Floyd, and oh. somewhere along the line, the skateboarding scene got me into the other groups, which is ironic because Beastie Boys sprang out of punk, yeah. and, and, and they really embraced rap, and they kind of go hand in hand. They do, especially Attitude, I think. Um, but Yeah, definitely. Well, the, D, the, the DIY um, aesthetic – and kind of the way things they were doing originally. Now things are so overproduced; it's so different. Uh, yeah, they did. Without, they, they couldn't be one without the other. I don't think because they really did support each other. Mm. As far as and a lot of people don't think about that and don't realize that. True, Corey. I don't know if this is going to end up on your list or not. But do you have anything to add before we move into uh, your number three? It's not on my list, but I also love that movie and. I think we get our last Anton Yelchin performance this mm, year oh through Thoroughbreds. I I am such a fan pretty... of him, and it is so. I, I've I've lost Bad every the, time. Yeah, every time I am aware that he's gone and like that, because you you really see that he was just hitting his stride. Like he's good in everything I've seen, and I've seen mm-hmm. some of his younger stuff. Mm-hmm. But you in his the last couple of movies, he's just so good. Especially Star Trek Beyond. I think he kind of steals the show at times. 
Chekhov's character is so powerful in that one. Oh, love Chekhov. And I like the different projects that he chose. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. All right. Well, let's go to Corey's number three then. Okay. I think this is going to be on John's list, but it's the Oneaters from 1996, (laughs) a thing you do. Uh, And I had to call them. That's the Oneaters. Actually, I have uh, Captain Beach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters on my list. (laughs) Yes. Uh, um, they're, they're on my honorable mention. I, uh, they're on my honorable mention, actually. Oh, I'm surprised. Yeah. I love this movie. I love the music. I love... I I don't even know. Um, And they, you know, didn't end up kind of being a one-hit wonder. But mm-hmm. I just love this. I love this movie so much. And the music is so fun. I've always assumed that Hanks wrote the movie to basically give a fake history to the phrase one hit wonder um, by having them be maybe the first one hit wonder. Um, There is a line of movies like the one hit wonders, but you can't tell if he's saying it as though it's a pun on an expression that already existed or if he's coining the phrase um, or if he's even just accidentally coining the phrase. But I I definitely um, I love this movie for sure. And it was it's one that I've seen. I can't even count. Um, it the reality though, as much as I love uh, that thing you do, the song, um, and I also love the only other song of theirs we really get to uh, embrace. Like there is a ballad that we hear at at Filipinos. Um, I know this movie way too well. I just realized I know the name of the pizza place they play at at the beginning of the movie, but um, I don't like the ballad. But the song that um, uh, oh man, why am I forgetting his name? Lenny is the character name. Um, no, come on. Um, Steve's on. Yeah, yeah, that song. I really like that song too. Yeah, I prefer. I preferred all my only dreams myself. I like the ballad. Really, the B side. Um, see, I'm not a big ballad fan though, so that's probably why. But, um, and of course, this movie has your one of your uh, boyfriends, Corey Giovanni Rubisi, is the drummer who breaks his arm and gives guy his no, opportunity. Has Ethan Embry. Ethan Embry's. Oh, and Ethan Embry's in it. Oh my God, what am yeah. I talking about? And I love, uh, but one of the things I love about this movie is his title, his character name is TV player. As being a bass player my whole life, the fact that nobody cared enough to learn the bass player's name felt very, (laughs) very satisfying. (laughs) Actually, it's kind of depressing, but, you know, I mean, when when Wolfman comes in. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, he's scary. Don't stay on him too long. But, um, yeah. Oh. We've been together for a long time. Can he cut? Can he handle uh, our tune? And that bass freaking riff he does. Oh is my so good. gosh! That... Um, and then everybody else is fine with it, but guy's still kind of upset. Um, yeah, I, it's definitely a great pick and one that um, I I partly left off because it did feel a little predictable, but also um, in my current rotation, it, it it there it's on there. Like both of those songs are in my rotation. Um, the two songs that I mentioned, not the only dream song. Um, but well, I mean, the overall the whole soundtrack when they when they meet Freddie Fredrickson mm-hmm. and uh, Diane Lane, but not Diane Dane, not Lane. Yep. Um, and the Chantrelines yep. and uh, Del Paxton. Uh, oh man, are my biggest fan. <laughs> and you know, because I have I have a certain mix that I'll play for my students and. As they work and whatnot, and that way, some of this they'll never hear. Some of it they may rec- shocked, it blew my mind that they recognized uh, the instrumental of "Don't Stop Believing." 
or oh, uh, that's Glee though. Glee brought that song back into that, the zeitgeist. That could be. That's true, but I get. I feel like they would have been too young for it. No, that I, one and there Glee, was another. Glee brought it back, but it's been it's been covered and used it's in never movies left so many so times much. since that. I guess I shouldn't have been shocked. Yeah, um, there's a couple that they surprised. But there's. Uh, it gives me hope for the future, and I look at them because they pick up on it and they know what it is. And like, who are you? <laughs> and it, it, it's a good thing. I like it. I, I just, I'm like, you are all right. But um, to say that I love this movie, I mean, I literally had a snapshot the other day that we were going through. It's, it's literally almost a weekly thing. Oh, it's on. I'll just leave it on again. And not even owning it. Uh, I yeah. need to. I don't know why I've never bought it. You know, I didn't have it for uh, a long time because it was always on HBO and I, I didn't need to own it. Um, I actually bought it when I went to Boston last year. I found it at a used bookstore for $2 um, oh, wow. on DVD. That's... And I was like, well, I'm going to buy this now um, because it's, it was, it's one that I, uh, I've always loved. And for some reason, like you, like you had not owned uh, the whole time. Uh, it just all the little nods to the Steubenville, the Pitts, uh, that, uh, Pittsburgh, the, uh, Pittsburgh. Kevin, yeah, Kevin Pollack. How are you, sl- how, how you sleeping? Yeah. Um, the yeah. and that that band I've had that first my first show um playing with the, my old band contrast um mm-hmm. my my bass string broke on the second song Ooh. and I was already stressed out and that just it was like a nightmare um and so yeah like I like they really capture that in this movie too like when everything goes wrong and the symbol falls and it's just it's one thing after another um it is it's, it's uh, Keanu Reeves coins the uh, well to me coined the idea of quicksand in the movie The Replacements, and that's I use that all the time as a, a way of explaining like when one thing goes wrong and then another and then another and it feels like there's nothing you can do to get out of it. That's that's that moment in the movie and just great. I I don't remember where I heard it, but I know that there was a couple of nods to the Beatles. I think Linda McCartney had been left behind the way. Um, uh, Liv Tyler's character had been when they get that news that they're going out to California. Um, there's a couple of little bits that they're nods to other bands' kind of experiences. It's just Tom Hanks. Oh man, what a uh, what a flick! Love it. All right, um, Corey, do you have anything else to add before we move? I know this was your pick, but I feel like we might have hijacked it. <laughs> so no. Corey? Man. She's like, oh, sorry. Oh, I like hand. cough or I yawn and I like put my mic on you and then no, I said I'm just so glad you guys love it too. If there's anyone listening to, that hasn't ever watched it before, go ahead. You're going to get yeah. earworms from the music. It's oh, just fun. It is going to be in your head. All right, Mike, that leads <laughs> us to your number three. I'm, I'm, it was difficult for me to figure out which band to go with from this property, but ultimately, the all Biff outfit, Figrin Dan and the modal nodes from Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, edged out Size Snoodles and the Max Rebo Band <laughs> by a huge margin. It's difficult to not make an outer space bar scene cheesy, and yet somehow, amazingly, Lucas managed to do so. By rights, the whole part in the Moss Eisley Cantina should have been terrible. 
Although I guess the terrible part came with Sice Noodles and Company because that's what it was in Special Edition. They had that extended yeah. band scene that just was totally out of place. With and I'm the so weird glad. dancer. Yeah, uh, just everything, everything. The close up on Sai, everything. It, it, I think it worked better when they're part of the background. You get that little bit of mystique, and you wonder what it's like. You know, maybe, um, maybe Figure and Dan and his Bith crew uh, end up in some sort of outer rim territory version of the green room of green room. And, you know, they have to escape with their lives because they are dealing with unsavory type characters as well. So, you know, uh, it seeing a full on alien band, I would have been four when I originally saw this. And then not only that, but a pub full of odd creatures and whatnot was just something to behold. And it stuck not just with me, but with many other people episode Four obviously is going to have these huge ratings: 94% fresh rating, 96% audience rating, 8.79 dB, 4.3 letterbox, 92 Metascore. Clearly, it's the better band, and it has prevailed. Uh, of uh, uh, we um, did Maz? Did she have a band in her place? I don't know because there probably was, but I don't think they drew as much attention to it. Which is probably good, but now we don't have a mistake. You know, a mysterious band. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And I don't remember any bands in the prequels. No, they were too, too busy, busy of discussing politics. So, um, and sand and how rough it is and well, such. In, in my diaper, said Anakin. But um, I, I really do. Uh, it's hard to not enjoy the Star Wars bands. They're not on my list, nor are they on honorable mentions but it's definitely a fun pick um agreed all right i guess that leads to my number two um so i'm gonna build up to my number two a little bit um director and writer john carney um has captured the art of making movies about musicians um he's done three uh once begin again and sing street and while I feel like uh, Begin Again is, is the American film, and it it feels more American in a in a bad way, it it feels um, too polished at times, and I think that's something with with music that you don't always want it to be over polished or overproduced, and um, but it's still a great movie, and it it does have I think the best scene ever to capture the musician's mind, which is when Mark Ruffalo is listening to Kira Knightley perform. Um, we're seeing it from his perspective, and uh, you see the other instruments that are unmanned begin to play as he orchestrates the rest of the song. Because she's playing acoustic and singing, but he starts hearing what it would be with drums and piano and violin. And you see these ghost instruments begin to play, and we hear the, the music start to pick up and build as he's adding instruments. And it's just a brilliant visualization of the process of a musician's mind. Um, and... While I like that movie, um, it really came down to picking Sing Street or Once. And I could have easily have included both, but I opted to pick one over the other. And the band that I picked is uh, Guy's Studio Band from Once. Um, once, uh, the actor is not an actor, he's a musician. Glenn Hansard uh, plays Guy. He's, it's not his name, that's just the character is a guy. 
they ha- they never give him a name in the film. Um, he meets Marquita Erglova, and I hope I said that right. And if not, I apologize. Marquita Erglova, it might be. Um, she plays girl. Uh, they meet. He's a busker. You know, he just plays on the side of the street for for money. Um, but through the course of the film, he's encouraged to uh, record a demo and then go off to London to try to win back the girl he lost. And um, he recruits her along with three street musicians uh, to go in and do an album. And every song they uh, the my favorite scene in the movie is the very first song they record in the studio because um, they have this engineer. They're paying a lot of money for the studio. I think three thousand dollars for the the night. Oh. And um, the the sound guy, the engineer, um, the producer, if you will, of the studio looks so disinterested. And like right away, um, he's like, "We're gonna need to set the." test the drums and the drummer's like they're good i tested them they're fine he's like yeah no i mean we have to make sure they're loud enough he's like no they sound real loud he's like no man we have to put mics on them and then check the levels and he goes like oh and he kind of realizes he's dealing with these amateur musicians and he's discouraged but by the end of the first song actually not even by the end about a quarter of the way through you see him kind of his ears pick up and his eyes get wide and he realizes that this this is legit. Like these are talented musicians and he starts really getting into like the mix and you see him moving the knobs. And when the song's over, he just goes, did you write that? And uh, Glenn Hansen was like, yeah, yeah, I did. He's like, all right then let's do this. And it's just from there. It's just this awesome montage of them recording. Um, I have listened to this soundtrack countless times. Now, Unlike my other picks, um, if you are an Oscar uh, follower, this movie won Best Original Soundtrack um, in 2008 Oscars um, and became a musical afterwards. And the musical has won several Tonys. Um, It's still, I think, being done on Broadway at times, uh, also called Once. But um, the film itself is a guerrilla piece of filmmaking. John Carney filmed most of it um, with without permission from the Irish government or the Irish film board. So he's filming it, what we call guerrilla film style, where uh, he'll just have a camera like placed across the street. And a lot of the people you see walking on the road are real people. And um, in fact, there's a scene early in the movie where uh, Hansard's playing like on the side of the road with his guitar and a guy runs up and steals his guitar case with all the money in it. And then he chases him the first time they were filming that according to IMDb trivia, a guy, uh, looking to help Glenn Hansard intervenes and like knees the dude in the nuts but it, it was, that guy was an actor but the guy that kneed him in the nuts was not so he just thought he was being a, a good citizen um, you know so don't you steal don't steal or this guy's gonna get you but I, I've uh, I came across this movie um, I bought it probably 2010 in a, like the, the $4 bin at Walmart because of the musical element to it like the cover is him and the girl and he's holding a guitar and I was like oh it's about music I'll probably like this and I bought it and it sat on my shelf um, unopened until last year when I saw Sing Street and I watched Sing Street last year and I love Sing Street so much and I was looking up the director I'm like oh he made a movie called Once I think I have that and sure enough there it was unopened um, I immediately opened it watched it and uh, loved it, um, especially the music. Glenn Hansard is a musician. Uh, he's only acted in this, and originally, and I think I've talked about this movie before, it was supposed to be Cillian Murphy, uh, or Killian Murphy, mm-hmm. um, was supposed to play the role of Guy, uh, but was afraid he couldn't keep up with Glenn's songs, that he just couldn't do them justice. Um, so he backed off the project. The project lost a lot of money because of that. Um, oh. All the producers backed off. 
uh, because they didn't have a big name actor. John Carney was um, unwavered and wanted to make this movie, so they made it for uh, 120 euros, I believe. 120,000 euros, sorry. No. Um, not 120 euros. But, um, you say that's really low budget. Super low budget. And, uh, but, you know, that was all they had to work with. Um, neither Glenn or Mar- Marquetta have acted in anything else, but they're both professional musicians. So um, They played together in a band called The Swell Season. Oh, very cool. Before this. Um, doesn't doesn't count, though, because it's not the band in here, and it's also... No, no, that, but I yeah. just think it's interesting <laughs> that they work together in a movie, then. Yeah, I didn't realize that uh, that, that was the case, but... Because she's super young compared to him, too. Like, um, oh. I think she was oh. only 17 or something in this movie um, when she did it, and he is much older. But um, you wouldn't know she's only 17 or whatever. She Maybe she was just a little older than that. She's 29 now, and she was born in 88, oh. so she would have been 20. I guess she was 20 or 19 when they did the movie, So because it's 2007. But... I can't I can't praise this movie enough, especially because I think it's a great example of how to tell a great story even when you don't have the best equipment or any professional lighting. Um, and uh, again, his John Carney's understanding of music is so strong in all three of his films that I mentioned, Begin Again, Sing Street, and this one. Um, but as much as I love the Sing Street soundtrack, I love the Once soundtrack more. So I went with uh, Guy's Studio Band from Once. I really want to watch this movie. I need to. You definitely do. I've watched it at least once. This is more my uh, wife's pace, but <laughs> I've at least watched it. And it's not that I didn't like it. I just think she had already been into it at that point. It's, uh, I, you know, coming into the middle of a movie is tough for me. Yeah, I got to say, I I listened to the um, I listened to the regular soundtrack all the time, but I I came across the uh, the Broadway musical soundtrack on Amazon Prime Music. Um, and I, I made it through two songs. It's way too polished for my taste. I love Hansard's kind of gritty, uh, Irish sounding, like folky voice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the guy from the Broadway recording is just too crisp and clean. And I, I didn't like it as much. Still a good song, but it, it didn't have the, uh, the raw emotion that I feel like Glenn's uh, singing has. So, But that's my number two. We are get, running a little long, so let's move into Corey's. Okay. I've talked about this movie before. My affection for it does not come close to John's, but I love the band in this. I love the soundtrack. As soon as it was released on ish, on vinyl, I had to buy it. Um, Sex Bob-Oms from Scott ah. Pilgrim vs. the World, That's 2010. Cool. I didn't know you had it on vinyl. That's awesome. Yeah, they released it for, I think, Black... No, for Record Store Day or something one year. It's on, like, red vinyl, but I just... Love it. I love that it's loud, and I always seem to want to listen to it late at night, which makes no sense. But, <laughs> um, are you picking that band though? Six, Sex Bob Bomb? Yeah. Out of, okay. Yes. Um, I obviously I love Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and I've talked about that movie so many times. Um, I opted to not include one on my list. Um, although I have to say, after weighing my options, I think I was gonna go with uh, Crash and the Boys for my uh, favorite. Yeah band from the movie um that girl a boy too yes <laughs> um yeah i i really like them in fact uh my text tone right now is their song so sad um where it's just so sad and uh 
you know, slow down, guys. It's not a race. Yeah. <laughs> and this next song goes out oh. to the guy in the audience. Says, "No, shut up." Um, yeah, I I like that a lot, but I I do love the sex by bombs. I have found though that I only like the parts of the songs that were in the movie. Um, this to me when I listen to like the soundtrack, they go on mm-hmm. like they don't stay as good as the song goes on, in my opinion. <laughs> like I think, well, I think that's an Edgar Wright thing where he meshes it into the film and becomes you know yeah baby diver being the example uh for that because there's a whole thing i forget where i watched it about how he worked the, the film the songs into films and some of them were going to run short so what they did as a conceit to but maybe that's what it is it could be um and again like uh garbage truck i really like the first verse but like the second verse doesn't hold up for me um and then uh even the opening song, like the first verse is really strong, and then like the second verse is like a lot weaker. So, uh, not not to insult them, I I still love those those parts of the songs, but I don't think they're as good going in um, length. Where the Crash and the Boy songs are exactly what you hear in the movie. So there you go. All right, uh, <laughs> silence, Corey. <laughs> but, but no, mine, my just mine. I put Sex the Bomb and Honorable Mentions. Yeah, no. I figured no. That would be predictable that I, if I put it for me anyway. Me too. That's why another reason I left them off because I expected everyone to to think I would have Scott Pilgrim, and I do love the band in the movie, so not no question. But... Yeah, it's, I, I I do as well. I, I wanted to, but I only have five picks, and yep. So something's got to get cut. Yeah, and I actually my number one was as soon as uh, I started making my list, my number one was already assigned. So me too. Same. Um. Oh wow. Oh, well, I'm now it's really probably curious. Not, uh, I'm betting that we don't all have the same one. I'm it's betting not that be the same. you have not seen the movie, Mike. So um, mm. we'll, we'll see. But I have a strong feeling you have not because I only know a few people who have. Um, and I keep I, I'm mm. trying to become the advocate for this film. So um, let's get to your number two, though, Mike, so we can get to my number one. What's, right. what's your right. number two? All right. Without this band, an unseen band, if I recall correctly, I maybe mean, it's been a while. So you, I'm pretty sure you will be able to correct me uh, i'm not sure if the film would have gone on because th- there's something with i think the lyrics of the main song the only song that drives the main lead character one of the lead characters on with what they're doing big fun from 1988's heathers provides jd played by christian slater the fuel to go on the murder spree that he does i think he calls from the lyrics and kind of borrows from it and just goes with it the, the song uh, I mean, honestly, I don't know that he really need fuel to go on said spree, but the song Teenage Suicide, uh, in parentheses, Don't Do It, I think kind of gave him some context, gave him some inspiration, I'm guessing, to plant and make it so that all of them, all these popular kids are murdering, you know, to make them look like suicide. I didn't realize until today, and I've watched this, this was 1988, so nearly 30 years have gone by that. Two of the producers that had worked on a few, at least a couple of R.E.M. albums, who I love R.E.M., uh, had been integral to getting the song done. They were writers on it. Don Dixon, Mitch Easter, um, and they had their own separate band. Just kind of in the same way that the the guy from Fountains of Wayne did the majority of That Thing You Do. That's really who put together a lot of that. Oh. Uh, I forget the guy's name. Um, the, these two with their band, uh, their band Let's Active, kind of gone with it and did that. Um, a cursory search of YouTube showed that there's some sort of Heather's the Musical thing 
I was really hesitant to click on it, and I didn't end up clicking because, well, I may do so out of morbid curiosity. It's just how do you, uh, I don't know, I'm worried. I just saw a, a CBS This Morning news piece on SpongeBob, the musical on Broadway, and just, <sighs> so I, that made me very worried about clicking on Heather's, the musical. So Heather's itself gets 95% fresh, 84% audience rating, 7.3 IMDb, 3.7 letterboxed. And a 73 meter score. All around pretty good ratings. Yeah. And a good movie. Uh, I don't remember the band much, actually, though. Um, as, oh. much, as much as I remember the rest of that movie. Like, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, I think it, the song, and I think the one character remember that she walks out into traffic was wearing the big fun. It was, it's kind of like a big thing in the film, but you may not have seen them themselves. Got it. As well as the song. Well, there you go. My bad for missing that. I'm going to have to re... I mean, I'll probably end up rewatching it anyways, but... Yeah, I'd like to myself. All right. Um, my number one is... I'm uh, really excited to hear this. Um, directed by William H. Macy. Uh, stars, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stars Billy Crudup, Anton Yelchin. Um, I want to get the other two band members, I think. It's Miles Heiser and... I don't know for sure who the other guy is. Oh, man. Um... It is the band and the same name of the movie, Rudderless, from 2014. Oh, um, uh, I was just about to put them on my honorable mention. I have seen parts of this, ah, but not all. Of- Aha! Well, there you go. I ah, beat you. You did. I beat you. Um, although I still, if I've seen your number one, I've seen uh, three of your four so far. So I just need one number one on my list. Um, oh, can I edge you out? But uh, I. We watched this for movie club, so you can actually go back and get our initial reactions from this film. But since we watched it, um, I've seen it, I think, in parts two more times. But I've listened to the soundtrack, I can't tell you how many times. Um, It has, for the last two months, been the only album I consistently was listening to. Or it was on, I have a movie playlist on my uh, Google Play Music account that is uh, movie bands. And it is uh, Rudderless, the whole, every song from them. Um, it's the one soundtrack. It is Sing Street soundtrack, and then uh, a few songs from various bands, including the Ain't Rights and um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, the whole, most of the soundtrack, not all of it. And um, but Rudderless is the the one I keep going back to. There, are, uh, Anton and Billy Crudup share vocals, um, and they are amazing. I love the way they sound. Um, I, I literally, I think it's one of my favorite albums. Period. Like not even just from the movie and so while i think the movie's really good and it, it's got a 51 i think i just saw on metacritic um oh, 52 that's it should be better I it think. should and it has a 7.5 imdb score though so the fans really got into this movie i i can see why critics might hate on this some of the plot contrivances are there and the, the story does take a pretty dark turn um at at points but the music and the power of music, which is something that uh, is a theme that I love. When movies push the power of music as their uh, kind of go-to, it, it just works for me. And this movie does that uh, so much for me because you have a father who is grieving the loss of his son, finds that his son um, had a bunch of songs written and recorded and learns how to play them and goes to a bar uh, where he's he's an alcoholic now because his son died, but he sees it's open mic night. Decides he's going to come and play one of the songs. Anton Yelchin's character hears the song, is moved by it, pushes him to start the band. 
Um, and he does so kind of against his own will. But I think he sees the opportunity to have like another chance with Anton as a surrogate son. And all of that just works for me. Um, and you see Billy Crudup's character go through a dramatic grieving process through music. And um, I, I just find it so powerful. I, I really like the song. Some of the songs, like they're not the most brilliantly written songs necessarily, but a couple of them are. Um, and they also cover Wheels on the Bus uh, in the probably the coolest fashion that song's <laughs> ever been played. Um, I, I loved it. Scene. And it's, uh, again, I enjoyed the movie um, for sure. I still like the movie a lot, but I love the soundtrack. So Rudderless is my favorite movie band currently of all time. So Yeah, it's that's I've seen bits and pieces of it. I need to watch it completely. I'm not. I didn't realize William H. Macy directed. So he did, and he does play the bartender, surprising. too, at the bar. Okay, see, so that tells you the patch, because I caught part of it. I caught Selena Gomez. I'm like, wow. Yeah, very small part of Gomez. But yeah, yeah she... very, very good. She did well mm-hmm. in it. Um, and, yeah, my wife and I, I think I showed her the trailer, because we got up and down the booty list and showed her the trailer, and she seemed to be interested. So I'm hoping we'll watch that one together. But I have seen a good amount of it already. Definitely, definitely one. I I keep pushing everyone I know, um, if especially if they're music uh, oriented, to give this movie a watch. Um, it, it it does deal with a difficult. It broaches a very difficult subject too. Um, I didn't mention the son dies though at the beginning of the movie yeah. in a school shooting. Um, and I won't give any other information because I want people to see it. But that is a difficult subject. Um, for people to to deal with anyways, and I think that might be why it didn't get as much. And it also, I think it adds a little bit of melodrama to the film, um, and that might be why critics didn't fall into it as much. But I am an amateur critic who loves it, so there you go. I really like this movie, and I need to listen to the soundtrack more, but I did enjoy it a lot. Um, enjoyed the music a lot when watching the movie, and that scene with Wheels on the Bus was great. Yes. Um, all right, uh, let's go to uh, Corey's number one. Okay. I was going to sing for you guys. Ooh. Maybe I still will. <laughs> I have a horrible singing voice. I'm not going to. Never mind. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> okay, never mind. El Madrid, it's nice to see you. It's really nice to be here. I love you all. I couldn't. As soon as we um, talked about this, I already had this band picked out. This is probably my favorite soundtrack of all time. Um, uh, I had to pick them, and I always tried to pronounce their name, but their name is unpronounceable. But it's the Soren blah, 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 from Frank. And uh. I think it came out in 2014. I love this movie so much that I went to a theater that I do not like because of their clientele twice to see it. Um, I love, I think that Michael Fassbender should sing more, but I just love this band in this movie. Um, I love that they go to Austin and they're trying to, you know, uh, why am I forgetting the name of that festival that I want to go to so bad every year, but it's, but it's so expensive and it's like out of hand and people get ran over there now. So I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I just love it so much. So that's my number one. You know, I don't know why I was I earlier when I was making my list, I totally knew 
that this was going to be your number one, and then I totally blanked while we were doing the like the podcast. So I was, yes. I was like, "What is she singing? I know this song, but I can't place oh, it." No. And then you're like, Frank. I'm like "Oh, Frank! Of course it's Frank. I knew that. I knew that yes. before this started, but it, for some reason, just completely blanked." I knew what your number one was going to be, also, but ah. um, yeah, I I don't know. I'm still trying to get a hold of it on vinyl. So ah, there we go. So if if you're a vinyl seller out there, hit us up. Contact at com. Corey's willing to pay anything. Um, no, That's I'm not saying. true at all because <laughs> I have what I want for $105 on eBay right now, and I just can't do it. Jeez. Yeah, that is yeah. cheapo. Man. Nope. Well. I can't I can't add to this because I haven't seen it. I'm... You definitely should check it out. It's still on Netflix. It's, it, I think it is, but um, it's also interesting to note that it is the same director who did Room. Um, not the room, oh, but room, um, and it's a very, very tonally different Ooh, movie. Different. But, um, I'm gonna get wow, his name too. Yeah, uh, Lenny Abrahamson. Or, wait, I'm pretty sure that's how you say Abramson? it. It's uh, well, oh. maybe Abram- it's Abramson, but it's Abrahamson. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna overemphasize it. Um, he directed yep. Room, and he directed Frank. Uh, I should also know Michael Fassbender, Domhnall Gleeson, um, Maggie Gyllenhaal, all in this movie. So yeah, Mike, you should definitely check it out. Um, Scoot McNary is in it too. Yeah, um, I'll it's, have to try it. I've only seen it once. I, I do want to rewatch it, um, but I did enjoy the movie when I watched it my first time around. It is weird. It's definitely know that going in. It's not going to nah, be. I can do weird. Oh, yeah. Well, we know you can do weird, Mike. Um, most of the movies that you list, we've never heard of. So That doesn't always make them weird. True it that. Makes no. them True. Word. But you do like David Lynch. A lot of people. Well, not a lot of people, but oh. enough that no, no, he's no. a. He's still yeah. weird. You can't like. Oh, I'm course. not saying that Mike's weird for liking him. I'm saying David Lynch is weird. And Mike likes David Lynch. Thus, not surprised that you like weird. <laughs> That's weird. all. <laughs> not being insulting. Not not in any way do I mean it as an insult. Just We're like, all weird sometimes. Correct. All right, Mike. I prefer being called strange. Um, <laughs> Frank, by the way, listeners, that is the Michael Fassbender who stars in the movie does wear a paper mache head through the, most of it. Um, so it's kind of a weird, uh, unusual. Uh, Casey Affleck, I guess, is the only other thing I can think of where your big superstar's face is covered up. That's not a superhero movie. Um, so there you go. Another reason to watch Frank is just for this oddity of paper mache head musician. Um, even Mike, when he showers. I'm very curious, sir. What is your number one? All right. Before I even say it, because I'll just preface it by saying I'm going to one of my standbys. So what do you think? Oh, what do we think? It I is? need a moment to think about this. Hmm. I can't I think when you're doing watch. Jeopardy music. Music. I, I can't think on the spot. I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I have. I'm not sure. No, it's one of my standbys. It's one of my standbys. Is it Spinal Tap? Okay. That's not one of my standbys. Not a bad guess. They didn't even make my honorable mentions. Corey, any thoughts? No. Uh, you know, I, it's not. No. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't think on the spot. All right, well, I'm going back to 1984, and it's a Buckaroo Banzai and the Hong Kong. Oh, my God, I knew this. I knew this. I'm the such Adventures a... of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Dang Eighth it. Dimension. They are, that was the first group that went into my mind. There are some issues and questions I have about them. But, and the band only makes an appearance in, in a small snippet of it that introduces Penny Pretty to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but it's a needed needed scene because without that you don't get her but my questions my issues because i do love them and it 
I wonder if he was the inspiration for me to play trumpet, even though it was more like a pocket cornet. And I've, I, I have, I've had my eye on one at one of the local music stores, but, um, and, and the price is okay, but I just hadn't, because we already have two trumpets in the house. So why would I need one that I could, you know, could fit in my pocket? Yep. I can't justify it. I mean, I can, but I don't know if everyone would be on the same page with me. So in the scene, because they're in the midst of a concert and, you know, he's, he's, he's busting out with his guitar. He busts out with his cornet. And then all of a sudden, Penny Pretty, the gun goes off. She's actually looking to commit suicide. It, it's kind of dark, but someone bumps into her and she misses completely. And then all of a sudden they are totally packed to the hilt with weapons and they'd just been playing. Yeah. So my question is, where do they pack all those weapons? What are they doing on stage and manage to perform with them? And it seems like they're really heavily str- and that would be very limiting mobility wise. And they are playing <laughs> and, and and doing doing maybe you know it is it is a movie, but I, I wonder these things. And additionally, with everything they because they are saving the world and he has fought against the World Crime League and had these all sorts of sorts of adventures and driven through a mountain. How do they rehearse? Because I don't think they need to. <laughs> oh, they're that good. Okay, well, I mean, I know one of the band members is Perfect Tommy, so that does make sense. It's just like, wow, I just, it, it, I, I was thinking these things, but I'm like, even regardless of that, they are still my number one. The ratings won't reflect it, um, but again, it doesn't matter to to me as far as the ratings because it's stuck with me. It's from ninety. Let's see, I would have been 11 on the initial release, so probably in my teens when I saw it. And it's stuck with me since for all these years. 72% fresh, 70% audience score, 6.4 IMDb score, 3.3 letterbox score. There uh, we are. This was just like Corey's number one. I knew it when I was making my list. I saw this band, and I was like, well, Mike's definitely going to have that band as his number one. And yet when it was time for me to say it, I blanked on it. <laughs> I'm very yep. frustrated. When I was doing some research, I saw it too. Dang it! I've never seen this movie, but ah, I have. Uh, I remedied that. Oh, oh, you made it. Okay. Oh yeah, a couple of months ago. Um, yeah, I, I did finally. Uh, I made I made quite the effort to watch it because of you. Um, and yes, big bootay. Yeah. Oh man, there's so many funny jokes in that movie. Um, <laughs> big bootays, freaking best. Um, yeah, I. You know, and that scene, I actually love the way they shot that scene with Penny Pretty, like how the lights are. It's so dark in the room. Um, I, I love the look of that scene. Like aesthetically, it's so compelling and how he like sings to her and everything. Like it's, um, yeah, totally, uh, totally cool. Um, definitely a, a, a likely pick for you, sir. No question. Uh, that That's our top five um, movie bands for this week's list. Before we go, we're going to go into our honorable mentions, which I have a few. Um, I'm going to start with uh, the most excellent Wild Stallions from Bill and Ted. Hey, yeah, yeah, on my list, on my list. Um, Sing Street from Sing Street, uh, which, again, easily could have been in my top five. I do love that soundtrack, but I, I opted to only have one John Carney band on my list. Um, I already mentioned Crash and the Boys. Um, I mentioned The Wonders. Uh, Steel Dragon from Rockstar. It's a Mark Wahlberg-led hmm. band. Um, I... Unfortunately, their soundtrack is not on any digital streaming service except for YouTube, and it bums me out because there's a couple of songs I really like from it, and uh, more importantly, 
I love the song at the end of the movie where he goes to like a grunge coffee shop because the 80s is ending and he's like done with this 80s like heavy metal band. But uh, Jennifer Aniston, Mark Wahlberg in that movie, really great. Um, I have the School of Rock band because I do love School of Rock. Um, I have kind of framed mm-hmm. my life around Jack Black. Um, and I don't want to mention every great band, like movie band, but I do want to mention uh, um, I really uh, – I'm surprised none of us had Almost Famous as Stillwater. Um on our list because I haven't seen it. Oh wow, really? I didn't oh, know that. Yeah, um, I still haven't. Se- I haven't seen it. Still, I want to reference it because I had two Anton Yelchin bands in my top five. I had the Ain't Rights and right. Rudderless. Um, I could have had two Billy Crudup bands had I thrown Stillwater because he's the guitar player oh. for that band. Um, he's the Golden God. So, and Jason Lee's the singer of that band. Mike, I don't know if you knew that what? in the movie. Yeah, Jason Lee. I is knew the he lead. was in it. I didn't realize he was a singer. Yeah. Um. So, uh, definitely a movie you got to add like immediately, dude. That's a great watch. Um. I know it's it's long overdue. I should have watched. I should have watched this a few times. Yeah, but um, I need to rewatch it. It's been a while since I I last saw it, but I do love that movie. And uh, that's that's mine. I I, I hit probably too many of the bands. Uh, this was a, a list that I did a lot of research and also have seen so many because it's a it's a um, subject that I love and uh, you know music was a huge part of my life so movies are a huge part of my life so m- movies about musicians or feature oh my god I left one off I can't believe I'm sorry uh, Crucial Taunt from Wayne's World um, oh, Cassandra's man. gun um, I'm, lo- I'm, not, I'm looking it's on my honorable mentions but it's Crash and the Boys is right next to it so when I was skimming my list I, I skipped over it because I saw CR Um and I was like, oh, my God, how did I not mention Crucial Tom? Because Wayne's World is I love. And that band does kick butt in those movies. So, all right, Corey, Literally. what's your honorable mentions? I have Sing Street. Thanks, John. Yeah. Hey, that's my bike um, from <laughs> Reality Bites. <laughs> I love the cover <laughs> they do of the Viola Femmes. And I have Love Burger <laughs> from Can't Hardly Wait, even though they like oh to break up every five God, minutes. That's such a good pull. <laughs> Love Burger. You can't wear your own t-shirt to your show. <laughs> See, We're going to take that a step further and don't wear t-shirts at the shows you bought them at, guys. Yeah, come on. Yeah. I, I had like considered um, the band from Empire, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Not Empire Strikes Back. Empire <laughs> Records. Empire Records? Um, but oh, I at think, the end? Yeah, but I think, it's a re- I think that's his band. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Because okay. v- okay. the guy that plays Virgo is the singer on the soundtrack for that song. Okay. So I didn't count it, and because um, I love that, I actually hate the song on the soundtrack and love it in the movie because uh, Renee Zellweger sings. Uh, what happened? I hate when they do that, like Hard Candy yeah. Christmas from Best Horror House in Texas. You don't get all the girls on the soundtrack. No, you just have you to. Only get the, I've been. I've had to listen to that song like ten times this this last it's month so already. Good. Um, <laughs> It's so catchy though. Like it's, I it'll be in my it head is. for days now. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really love the song in Empire Records, but I don't like it on the soundtrack as much. He also he's much dirtier on the soundtrack than it is in the movie. Like it's it's real dirty because I don't. I figured you've listened to the soundtrack though because that seems like one you would own. I do own it, but I don't remember. Yeah, I've recently listened to the song. I was very surprised at some of the the word changes from the movie to the uh, the soundtrack. But Mike, um, what's your honorable mention, sir? I think we talked all of, uh, about all mine. Sex with Bomb from Scott Pilgrim versus the World of Wonders from that thing you do. Wild Stallions, School of Rock, Soggy Bottom Boys. I was going to add Rudderless, and we already talked about them. Oh, so nice. there we are. Oh man, that's rare. Um, and I did see 
all of your um I saw my four. Whoa. So all of them. I didn't see your I didn't see number I didn't see Josie and the Pussycats, but I saw your other movies oh, and I said four. Okay, so you got your four. You I got, got your four. four. And Corey I think got two though, because she saw Star Wars for sure. Um yeah. and then I think you, uh number five you saw. I can't remember what that is right now, but Mike's number five mm-hmm. you had also seen. Um okay. so there you go. We both succeeded. Uh, this there was time. our losers this week. Nope. We won. And if you watch any of the movies on our list, you win because they're all great in some capacity. Um, we would love to hear musicians that you uh, love. Um, and you can email us again at contact at com. Contact at com. Follow us on the social medias. I'm at Burke Reviews. Corey? At Corey R Star, two R's all the end. Mike? At Server Monkey. I was now, trying to make up a band name. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, next week, we'll be doing top five uh, movies that get you in the Christmas spirit. So these are movies that you watch to kind of get in the holiday mood. Um, We'd love to hear your list, too. So same email. I'm not going to say it again. Contact at BerkReviews.com. And um, you can tell us what what movies get you in the Christmas mood. Maybe if we get the email early enough, I might watch them because – I've seen a lot of Christmas movies, but there's always one or two that I that have slipped through the cracks. In fact, on right now, this month at Burke Reviews Movie Club, Corey and I are watching holiday movies that we've never seen. Um, we watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles last week because I had never seen it. And then, Mike, check I this out. glaring omissions. Corey has three major missed holiday movies. She's never seen Polar <laughs> Express. <laughs> She's never seen wow. White Christmas. And she's never seen It's a Wonderful Life. I haven't seen White Christmas, but I'm surprised about the others. You've never seen White Maybe Christmas I either? Seen, I, might have, I might have seen White Christmas, just don't remember it. Man, apparently I am just a ho- holiday movie like glutton, because I think I've seen almost every major holiday uh, movie. Are you, are you meant to get a guest person? I'm not a Christmas... Uh, I don't know. It says to get in the spirit, so it doesn't have to be a Christmas movie. It's just movies uh, you watch... You... Uh, mm, I don't even like to decorate for Christmas. This Ooh. is not going to be easy. For... Don't you, me? <laughs> oh, I think I had my tree up before Kathy had hers up. We had it up November no. 1st, so I don't know if that's accurate. But... Oh, oh, no. I was like I November 3rd or 4th. Uh, I, I don't know how, but they got put up. <laughs> oh, <wasn't> no. <laughs> it wasn't me. At least not this year. Last year, I might have helped. I I, it's hit or miss. Well, mm. we'll be back next week with that episode. Um, guys, thank you. Until then. Thank you. Good night, everybody. All right, night. Nice.